Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, we got some offensive coordinator news with the Buccaneers. But uh, first, I don't know if uh, anybody caught this. If you were watching the Pro Bowl games, it's not the Pro Bowl game. That, that comes later this week, but it was the Pro Bowl games. And Baker Mayfield, his first Pro Bowl, wins the passing contest, which um, is not unexpected, I suppose. You know, Baker's a gamer, so what the heck. He said the last ball he threw was intercepted in Detroit. He had not picked up a football since. Uh, I think he's been in Key West, actually, for the last few days. I can imagine... Uh, you know, probably sampling the, uh, the the sodas down there, but uh, Baker, being Baker, wins uh, wins the passing contest. And now, you know, he was interviewed a little bit about losing Dave Canales, and of course, you know, he said that you know that wasn't great, but um, really, you know, complimented the, the the Buccaneers, their you know the franchise, their coaches, players, everybody for kind of helping him really, you know, kind of put his career back on on strong footing. Did not sound like, and words are cheap, but did not sound like a guy looking to leave Tampa anytime soon. Um, and, of course, you know, the work's got to be done with the contract and things like that. But the fact that Canales is gone is not going to prevent him from wanting to stay. And it kind of kind of felt that way, you know, that um, he wasn't a guy that was talking about, yeah, I'm a free agent, you know, anybody need a quarterback? It was more about his team still. Uh, being the Buccaneers, so we'll see. I mean, there's there's time obviously before we get to March, um, and we'll I don't know how soon they'll begin any kind of talks or negotiations. I do know this though, is that the guys they have brought in, many of them have coached Baker Mayfield before. And Steve, we saw Alex Van Pelt who interviewed here. He went to the Patriots, and so that's that's one guy that the Bucks have interviewed that has now been taken off the board. Yeah, he's at the Patriots. You're starting to see all these openings now get filled. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to go to what the Raiders, the Raiders, the yeah, offensive coordinator. Uh, all the head coaching jobs now gone. Mike McDonald going right. to Seattle. Dan Quinn going to Washington. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and know, they got to fill staffs. Yep, you know, but all these staffs are starting to fill up, which means the the pool of candidates are getting smaller at this point too. And that's good because I, I want to get this going. And the Bucks have a lot of coaches to hire. Uh, Keith Armstrong, if you saw the story the other day, deciding to retire. I heard he was kind of going to retire, not going to retire, going to retire. And in effect, I, th- I think he is leaving uh, the franchise and, and, and hanging him up. Uh, special teams coach has known Todd Bowles since they played together at Temple. Um, so that's that's one spot. Obviously, we talked about Brad Idzik, the wide receivers coach, going with Canales to Carolina as their offensive coordinator, even though Canales will call the plays. You lost both offensive line um, coaches, if you will, uh, in uh, uh, you know in Gilbert and Harold Goodwin, you know, going to Charlotte with with um, Dave Canales. So a lot of spots that have to be filled. And I think, of course, the biggest one is offensive coordinator and and a couple guys that came in from the Rams yesterday that that I would say keep a really close eye on one of these because 
Um, one of them is the Kentucky offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen. Now, Liam Cohen was with Kentucky and then went to the Rams under Sean McVay, uh, not last year, but the year before. It would have been, what, 2022. And they didn't have a great year. That was the year I think Stafford got hurt, and, and they, they had a kind of a down year, and then there was some debate about whether you know McVay was going to come back or not. But then he went from the Rams back to Kentucky. So he's only with the Rams one year, but that was the year that Baker came in and played five games for the Rams at the end of the season, and Cohen – was you know very instrumental in, in teaching him the offense and and working with him while he was there in Los Angeles. Um, so now he's back at Kentucky, but my understanding is no, you know he did not necessarily want to broadcast the fact that he was interviewing with the Bucks because you've got consequences with players potentially transferring different things, and and I don't know what the college game how it would be effective. But generally, if you're a college coach and you interview for a pro an NFL job. Uh, it tells everybody and the recruits that you're not long for Kentucky, which is weird because this is the second time there in three years. But that said, I don't know if that'll have an influence or not. So you got Cohen, and then you have uh, another interesting candidate is uh, their passing game specialist, the Rams, Jake Peets. And Jake also was there when you know Baker Mayfield was out there. And so Jake has coached a lot of places, including – LSU, I think he was there when, uh, I'm trying to think of local ties here. Brad Johnson's kids were at LSU at the time. Um, you know, I think he had a chance to become maybe Nebraska's offensive coordinator a year ago and, and turn that down. So his family, he he's I think his in-laws are up in uh, Jacksonville, so it'll be closer to home for him. But I, I don't know. Like, both those interviews were, were yesterday, and I think uh, – Jake went first and then Cohen. But when I, I was listening, so Dave Canales was introduced in Carolina and I was listening to his press conference and he said, you know, it hasn't even been a year since I had an offensive coordinator job. And I thought, wow, not only did you make the meteoric leap from never having called a play to head coach, but you did it in less than a year. He was hired last February 18th. God help me if I've got 17 more days of this search for an offensive coordinator. I can't imagine it would go that long just because I think the candidates will start disappearing. The pool gets smaller and smaller. So I don't know what the Bucks' process is, if they're going to have second interviews, if they got more people that we don't know about that they would bring in to talk to. It's just kind of been like a daily you know, update on their part um, and others. And um, I was able to get you know, Pete's, um, or not Pete's, but uh, uh, Cohen's uh, information out there yesterday. But you know, for the most part, you just kind of follow along and according to my sources and different guys like this will give us who is interviewing today. And so, you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to matter to Baker ultimately because he's very adaptable. He's had a lot of offensive coordinators, a lot of systems, but if you can make some familiarity with your quarterback, that's a good thing. And Baker has familiarity obviously with the team and with the other coaches, some of the other coaches, a lot of offensive coaches are leaving. Um, but I, that's why I think it would be important to have at least a face and, and, and maybe some, you know, the thing about the Rams is Shane Waldron was in Seattle and he kind of adapted that Seattle offense the last year that Canales was there. And some of those principles made their way into Canales' offense when he got to Tampa. So there's probably some carryover in terms of philosophy 
maybe terminology and stuff like that. So um, a lot of benefits to maybe hiring one of these Rams coaches. And they seem like like they're dudes, right? Like people want to talk to them. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's possible that Pete's, you know, may may be coveted by Seattle and their new head coach. So, you know, these guys are going to get other interviews, not just the Bucks, and they're going to have perhaps some choices to make too. So something to follow along. Hopefully, uh, you know, they'll get it sooner than later. But in the meantime, Baker is over in Orlando, and uh, he will participate in this weekend's Pro Bowl. I guess it's a flag game. Um, you've got mm-hmm. Peyton Manning coaching the AFC, Eli Manning coaching the NFC. Eli won last year. Peyton is like the dude that's drawing up plays and having practices and stuff. And Eli just kind of wing, wings it, and it worked for him a year ago. Um, but I think the NFC, like just in the games part of it, when they're having all these different contests, uh, I think they were winning pretty handily over the AFC last time I checked. So I don't know how they score, you know, all of these events and whether they they factor into uh, what ultimately is you know decided to by the winner of the football game. But it's just kind of a you know a relaxed atmosphere. It's great for the families. It's not Hawaii. Uh, there's not a football game, but I think they're doing the right thing by. Because it ceased to be a football game about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. No question about it. I mean, all these All-Star games are trying to change. The NHL All-Star games this weekend as well. Uh, That's right. The, the skills competition tonight, they've revamped that. Uh, Nikita Kucherov is participating in lots of those events tonight, from stick handling to shot accuracy to a bunch of others. He was also the number one overall pick in the NHL player draft for the All-Star wow, game. Wow, there you go. Team, He's on Team Makes Hughes. sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the others that may have been high, Austin Matthews was one of the team captains as well as uh, Nathan McKinnon. So Cooch went number one overall to Team Hughes. Yeah. So that no, All-Star game sorry. is Saturday afternoon. Skills competition will be tonight. Yeah, and it's kind of neat the way they do it. I mean, it's like three on three, and they had the different divisions against mm-hmm. the different divisions, and it's kind of a round-robin thing. Um, it's fast, you know. Cooch uh, obviously can do everything, so I, that doesn't surprise me that he's uh, – he was a high yeah. pick. So it's kind of – I mean, I look, I, I'm okay with all-star games, but I'm just okay with it. I don't think any of them are any good. The one that's closest resembles the game is the baseball all-star game because I actually play baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, you can get up there and throw it, hit it, catch it, run, all that stuff. So it resembles the actual game. Um, and, you know, you got a home run, home run hitting derby and all that. But I do like the skills. Like I, I like watching – uh, just how precise these these hockey players are when they start shooting mm-hmm. at targets and stuff, breaking plates, whatever the hell it is they do. It's incredible how how they can take a puck and rifle it from a distance, and and just like be so precise in the various corners of the of the net. It's just something to watch. But um, so yeah, I'll be I'll be I'm I mean I like all star games. I like the kind of you know the interviews in between. And 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 Baker was interviewed by ESPN while they were doing. Uh, kind of a long snapping contest, which uh, Andrew DePaula, if you guys remember him, he was the Bucks long snapper. He helped the NFC win that one. Uh, he's now with the Vikings. So that was cool. Um, so, yeah, just kind of a fun weekend, loose weekend. And it used to be after the Super Bowl, so none of the Super Bowl players can, can be in this. So there's about 14 guys that can't participate, which is how – well, it's not how Baker got here. Baker got here because Dak Prescott um, said he was injured. So it's it's Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, and let me think of who the other guy is. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but Baker Baker will get to play some, so that's that's cool. All right, this is cool. So we got we got part two 
of our conversation with Andy Freed coming up for you right now. But first... For the past 14 years, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut their energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Now, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now, May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical equipment, and replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. It's not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of its program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Well, Andy, uh, the most important thing, like you said, is the defensive part of it in handling that pitching staff. And, you know, it's going to be different. Obviously, no Shane McClanahan for the full season. Probably no Jeffrey Springs until sometime in July. Uh, Drew Rasmussen maybe in August. Um, so it's always been built right uh, on, on pitching and defense. And, and so what, what do you make of what's left of this rotation? How do they navigate this until some of the cavalry comes back, uh, as far as the starters go? Well, I'll take it a step further, Rick, in that, you know, we're hoping that Springs comes back at some point in July. Good point. We're hoping yeah. that Rasmussen can come back. But when you have these, these major arm surgeries, and I think we've, probably, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, take it for granted. They're, okay, they've had their Tommy John, and then they'll come back and be the same pitcher again. Uh, that, that's not always the case. Um, you know, they, a lot of times it, it takes some time. Uh, I, I can picture so many different guys that have had Tommy John, and in that year that they come back, they don't quite have what they had before, and then it takes another offseason and another uh, ramping up uh, and another months and months set of work to be the pitcher that you were before, if you can even do it. You know, I've often said that even if you didn't have your arm sliced open and a tendon replaced or a ligament replaced, then you uh, you just haven't pitched for that long. So it, yeah, it's going to yeah. take, a, a, I don't know, I just don't see it as an automatic that they'll come back and, and be as great as they were before. They certainly could. I'm not saying that they won't, but mm. I'm saying that it's a challenge. It, it really is for those guys. And that to come back during the season, within the middle of what we hope is some sort of a pennant race and pitch meaningful, important innings with pitch, lim- uh, pitch limits and innings limits. Uh, so that'll be a real interesting gauntlet to, to walk. I think Eflin showed that he's a top of the rotation guy. I think he eclipsed everything that we could have even hoped uh, from him last year. Just a brilliant, brilliant season for Zach Eflin. And I think right. he's a tremendous model for the young pitchers as well. The way he handles himself, just uh, a plus mm-hmm. uh, for him. Uh, Pepio, obviously curious to see, you know, Boz is going to be coming back and he's right. another one that, you know, he should be full go from the beginning, but I would think there would be serious innings limits and sure. pitch limits for him. Uh, not to mention the fact that he's a pretty inexperienced pitcher at the big league level to begin with. Uh, and then you've got Taj Bradley, who certainly has a great arm, but let's be honest, he wouldn't have been in the big leagues when he was early last year, had it not been for, uh, other injuries like Springs. Uh, right. So it, he still has a learning curve there, and I think there's a high upside. But you have to take your lumps with young pitching. Uh, it's just a very, very difficult thing to do. I think some of the guys that could be really interesting are uh, the, the the pitcher from Japan, 
mm-hmm. who I know they want to have at some point in the mix. He's a non-roster player. Uh, him, a uh, Tyler Alexander, who the Rays got from uh, the Tigers, they might be stretching him out. And Chris Davinsky, I've heard that they may be stretching him out a little bit. So those guys could be uh, people to help fortify the rotation and be openers or guys that could go several innings. And I don't want to overlook Zach Littell. That's the guy that was one of the real unsung heroes from a year ago. I mean, he went from almost the last guy in the bullpen to a major important starter and probably would have been in there uh, behind Savali in game three had they gotten it there. And I don't want to overlook Savali either. But uh, So there's a lot of names in there, but I don't think there's a, a real definite on how it's all going to play out outside of Eflin being at the very top of the rotation. Yeah, certainly different than a year ago. Uh, there is a strength in, in, when you talk about pitching, and it is their bullpen, I think, uh, this year, Andy. I mean, with Pete Fairbanks, uh, Jason Adam, and Colin Pochet, Armstrong, Clevenger, I mean, Kevin Kelly, all these guys have pitched in high-leverage situations and been successful if they can start and stay healthy. Uh, if you can get the ball to them in the in the sixth or seventh inning, you've got a pretty good chance. And you said it, if they stay healthy. I mean, that, that really is what it comes down to. If you notice, you know, Neil and I have pointed this out a lot the last couple of years, that the teams that win the World Series or win divisions and go deep into October – they're the healthiest teams. It's, Absolutely. It's, you know, the Astros a couple of years ago, they, they didn't lose anybody. They, they mm-hmm. lost Michael Brantley and mm-hmm. filled in for him with sluggers like Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker and guys that are all-star caliber players. So th- they were very fortunate to stay healthy. That's what it comes down to. The, the winning teams are usually the teams that have their guys. You know, you have this plan at the beginning of the year on how things are going to go, but it seems like there's this natural attrition in baseball these days because so many pitchers blow out. Uh, it just, I mean, to me, it seems like almost everybody blows out at some point now. I, and that that's probably an oversimplification, but uh, you never know when it's going to happen. You know, when Rasmussen got hurt, there was zero sign. And this is a two Tommy John guy, by the way. There was zero sign of that coming. He had pitched his best game of the year, one of his best games ever as a Ray, in New York against the Yankees, completely shut them down. And we find out the next day that his arm was hurt and then he's out for the year and has to have another elbow procedure. So you you don't see it coming sometimes. I think that's the next frontier in baseball. And I think that's what a lot of teams are working on, including the Rays, is injury prevention. Uh, And I don't think there is one answer to it, but I think teams are feverishly working on trying to figure out how to keep your guys healthy. Now, as, as far as the bullpen goes, you know, if, if Adam is is healthy, he's he's great. Fairbanks, I saw, what was it, the top 10 closers in the league, I think, on MLB Network, and he wasn't in there. And I'm like, what? Hmm. I mean, Pete Fairbanks, to me, is about as locked down a closer as you're going to get in the big leagues these days. I mean, and, and he may allow a base runner or two here, but the stuff is just electric. He handles the pressure well. Uh, and he's a guy, when he gets the lead in the ninth inning, I always think that the Rays are going to win, but... Uh, I'm sure there will be some sort of injury along the way. The Rays will need more more uh, fortification. If you've noticed, they, they've brought in a lot of pitching for spring training, and, and, uh, and, and they'll probably go knee-deep into it again. I've come to the point now where I expect it. I'm not saying an individual here or there is definitely going to get hurt, but just in the, in the general sense, you have to go into a season expecting that there will be injuries to your bullpen and, and important players along the way will have to be added. Uh, we almost take for granted just how great they've been at at overcoming those with the strength of their 
minor leagues and, and trades and scouting and, and, and things like that. All right, I'm going to ask you about one more player, and then I, I want to uh, uh, maybe talk about the, some of the changes that we, we saw in baseball um, real quickly and then, uh, and then maybe the American League East. But, look, I, I have liked this guy. Last year, he, he, he kind of reminded me of a throwback. You don't see a lot of players hit for average, much less win a batting title. Um, but he seems to be uh, almost El Capitan on this Rays team, and, and that's Yandy Diaz. What a year. What a leader this guy is. He really seems to be the tone setter for this entire uh, clubhouse, didn't he? He, ha- he had one of my favorite lines of the year when you know he, he was hitting home runs and he was doing all this stuff, but he's not a fast you know player. So right. uh, he was asked, you know, what do you think about being the leadoff hitter for this team? And he goes, I don't. I'm not a leadoff hitter. I'm just first in line. Uh, and that, to me, made a lot of sense because he's not a leadoff. He's not what you think. He's no. not going to steal bases, and he doesn't do a lot of things that you'd think a prototypical leadoff hitter would do. But maybe that's old-fashioned now. It, it used yeah. to be where your, where your fastest guy was a leadoff guy, and then the guy that could hit at the right field was your second guy, and then your uh-huh. best overall hitter was third, and your best power hitter was fourth, and it was almost done by uh, – almost solved for you by the time the season came along. But, the you know, now I think the the trend in baseball is, and this has happened for the last several years. I think you bunch your best hitters at the top of the lineup and give them as many at bats as yeah. possible. Just give yeah. them as many as you can. And Yandi is just a joy to be around. I, I really love that guy. <laughs> he's, I mean, I'm not saying because he's a great player. He is, but you know, when you look at what Yandi's life has been, the escape mm. from Cuba, the times that that he had been caught trying to defect and, and what he's been through in his life and hasn't seen his mom for so long. Yeah. Uh, his relationship with his dad has been kind of under the, the radar, but uh, that's been an interesting thing. And then they reunited last year after Yandi became a dad himself, which was such a beautiful thing to see. Uh, Yandi is just a, a really lovely person to be around. And, and, you know, he, he walks in, he looks like he's straight out of the WWE. And then, <laughs> you know, he's just a graceful, beautiful swing. And, he can hit any kind of pitching. Those players are so valuable. If you've oh, yeah. got a knuckleballer up there, he can hit that guy. If he's got a guy throwing 101, he can hit that kind of pitching. And last year, I think what really benefited him was signing the extension. He signed the, uh, a three-year deal going into last season, and it seemed to me that he that relaxed him. Uh, and he's like, okay, the next three years I'm set, and maybe I'll take some risks offensively. You know, the year prior, he really didn't hit that many home runs, and the ones that he did – were ones to the opposite field. I think he took more chances early in the count last year to really let that strength show. And that's been a work in progress, not only since the Rays got him in 2019, but when he was in the minors with Cleveland as well, is to tap into that incredible power. Uh, And he just did it all last year. He won the batting title. He hit, I forgot, was it 14 or more more than that home runs? I know he's into the teens. And he was just as, you know, to me, the, the leadoff hitter, when you're around a baseball team and your leadoff hitter, is a, is one of your best hitters, if not your best hitter. Boy, that just, it, it's like it takes the rust off the team from day to day. You know, the, they used to say that the, the, the reason why the opener works so well for the Rays is that it's hard to hit 101 at 7 o'clock. You know, your first at bat. It's, <laughs> right. it's hard to hit that sort of velocity. You're not fully ready, maybe. But right. Yandy can do it. And to have a great leadoff hitter, and he is a great leadoff hitter. And I don't, I don't think even this offseason Yandy's gotten the accolades that he deserved. And I would have had him in top five in the MVP last year. The Rays without Yandy Diaz last year 
they who knows if they would have even won 90 games. It's interesting you say the contract relaxed, and a lot of times that can go the other way, where guys feel and put a lot more pressure on themselves, and it was just the opposite with Yandi, and that smile just never left his face. It was great. And he, and he has it all the time. You know, he, yeah. you know he's, he can put on that serious face when he wants to, but uh-huh. he has a very easy smile, and just getting on and off the bus and on the planes, I, you know, I, I, I like speaking Spanish with him when I can. You know, my Spanish is broken at best, but he helps me with it like Willie Adamas used to. I always appreciate that, and he'll help me come up with phrases. It's just he's just a really cool guy to be around, and I, I like him an awful lot. All right, so we saw changes in baseball, which I thought would benefit the Rays, and they probably did, right? Um, stolen bases were up in baseball. Um, defensively, if you have good athletes without the shift, that might play into your favor. So how do you think – uh, the Rays adapted to that. And and just on the macro level, the pitch clock, I loved it. Uh, did the pitchers adapt pretty quickly or was it kind of a strain for them? I think it, 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 the the minor league announcers that I, that I know uh, that I'm still in touch with, uh, young guys and veteran guys that were there when I was there too, they, they said that you'll notice it in the beginning and you'll forget about it by May. And that's exactly what happened. I remember our first spring training broadcast last year, was in Fort Myers, and, and Dave and I were rolling in. All I was thinking about was the pitch clock, and I was I was distracted by it because they had it up uh, yeah. in uh, Fort Myers, and I was just looking at it and going, okay, it's at 7, it's at 6. Oh, you better pitch now. And, it, and, and then you realize it, it was uh, that was the wrong thing to do. It was new to me, but a lot of these young pitchers have been going through it for the last couple of years in the minors. So they've okay. just – I think it had the effect that it was supposed to. It just kind of yeah. quickened things up. I don't know a person that said they didn't like it. I mean, I yeah. wasn't personally, Rick, clamoring for it because to me, like there was a baseball book that Thomas Boswell wrote. I think it was called Baseball When Time Stands Still mm-hmm. or Why Why Time Stands Still, something like that. And to me, that's always been the case. Like I, to me, if it's a short game or a long game, if it's got a good pace or a slow pace, I hardly notice. Only right. when it's in an extreme in either way. If it's especially sure. fast or especially slow, then all right, maybe I'll notice it. But generally, time is judged by innings in my warped baseball brain. So I didn't really notice it. I was always just kind of locked into the game. I will say, though, that as the year went on, I did notice it uh, because it did seem like it was crisper. And uh, to me, I'm still in love with watching old baseball games. I just enjoy it very much. And you see well, how the pace of it was a lot better in generations yeah. gone by. And I think that was something that was lost. So uh, I think I learned about it as the year went on. And I think that, you know, baseball players are really, really good at adapting to things. Uh, so I think they, they adapted to it well. And we didn't have that moment in the postseason where an umpire ends up having to make this uncomfortable call because a pitcher took too much time and it decided right. a game. None of that happened. None of the doomsday happened at all. And I think generally it was pretty well uh, accepted. You know, the, funny you bring up the the overshifts. It still seemed to me like the while it wasn't um, uh, as egregious as it used to be, where you'd have sometimes four or five guys, if you include the outfielder on the right side of the diamond, the shortstops, for a left-hand hitter or a second baseman for a right-hand hitter, we're still almost up the middle. So yeah, that's true. to me, it was more of a, a gradual kind of a soft thing where, all right, well, maybe that would have been a hit. Maybe it wouldn't have been a hit. But I, I didn't really think about it after after a long time. But I'm sure many of the pull hitters around the league liked it. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they no did doubt. it. I'm, I'm sure many of the pitchers are like, man, why can't we bring it back? 
<laughs> right. The left-handed guys, especially. <laughs> right. Um, all right. We'll get you out on this. Uh, and, and I appreciate the time, obviously. But uh, so, the you know, the American League East <laughs> is always going to be uh, that division, right, in baseball. And uh, the team you grew up with, the Baltimore Orioles, had an unbelievable year and uh, unbelievable closers as well. But I would imagine that, uh, and I haven't looked at a single baseball magazine, so I can't tell you who's favored. The Yankees are always going to be the Yankees. So, and Toronto obviously, you know, is, is dangerous in, in their own right. This is going to be just another battle royale for the Rays to, you know, to, to continue to stay on top as they have every single year to make the postseason. The Rays will do well if those young players do well. And then, mm-hmm. and if not, then there will be holes uh, all around. But I, I have faith in them because this is the this is what they've done so many times. I mean, they've been right. able to turn over the roster and get players that are major league ready. You know, the, there's a reason why the Rays don't rush players through the minor mm-hmm. leagues. They just don't. That, that's why bringing up Camonero was so shocking because they never make a move like that. I think it was out of necessity and right. and because he he could be so impressive. Um, but you know, if Mead and Aranda and uh, do their thing. And if Pinto ends up being a plus catcher and if Lowe can return with that kind of year and Yandi and a Rosarena and Siri and Lowe and Lau, you know, they've, they've got a pretty good group. I think again, I mean, I don't know if they'll win 99. I never expect, you know, a hundred win season. If you go in expecting that, that's setting yourself up for, for a fail. Cause most teams, even great ones don't get to a hundred. Uh, but I see the division is tight. Once again, I think the Orioles have had uh, a, a really sluggish uh, off season. I thought they were going to, to me, I, I thought they were going to get Snell or Montgomery, and they still could. But I can't imagine how the Orioles don't get a left-hander uh, with left-handers out there, by the way, uh, yeah. to be signed. How do you not in that ballpark? That ballpark has changed so dramatically, uh, and you really can't tell until you're there. You know, When you see how deep that left field is, to me, if you're a left-handed pitcher, every pitcher would want to sign there. Uh, and I'm shocked that the Orioles haven't done that yet. So they've had a, the only real change that the Orioles have made is adding Kimbrell, who is a solid reliever, of course, and they don't have Batista. And, and he, to me, I would have given Batista some MVP votes. He was that good Absolutely. as a closer. The Yankees, to me, are probably a little bit better offensively, uh, maybe more than I'm giving them credit for. Soto and Judge together will be an excellent combination. Soto gets on base and is a great hitter in his own right, and Judge is also a great hit. Outside of that, I see a, I still see a fair amount of outs in that lineup. The Red yeah. Sox have have probably depleted. Uh, mm-hmm. They seem to be not investing in their big league group right now. The sleeping giant in the division is the Toronto Blue Jays, and I've thought that for years. I, I, I'm surprised. Every year there's always some reason why they get sucked down in the division, why they don't seem to ascend to where they should ascend. And, you know, they've, they've kind of wasted these prime years of Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero. Those are two really, really stud players. And they've got excellent pitching, and they fortified their bullpen last year. They've got a really good closer. There always seems to be some – and they got better defensively, by the way. So I I don't know what – every year there's something with the Blue Jays. So to me, they're the sleeping giant. And if I had to guess, at some point they're going to end up being as good as they should be. But to me, it's it's, every team is quality – uh, and the Rays will probably right, be right there in the mix. At least I hope so. And the Orioles will be good, and the Blue Jays will be good. And, and but what, there's still enough time left, Rick, in um, the uh, off season uh, before opening day to see where some of those pitchers sign. If the Orioles get Montgomery or Snell uh, or one of those other left-handers out there, I think they they probably deserve to be the favorites in the division after winning 101 a year ago. 
Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I think there's still moves to be made by a number of teams, and who knows, maybe the race too, but I think you're right. I think they are going to let their youth develop, and, and certainly they have a lot of outstanding players. Uh, Andy, uh, it, it is is always a pleasure. Uh, I, I know you have a, a busy schedule and a, and a lot of games ahead of you and all of that, but to spend this time, uh, we really do appreciate it. And, and I just wanted to to end on this real quickly, and that is we, we all miss Dave Wills. Obviously, you and Neil did such a great job last year and and talking about Dave and keeping him in our broadcast, in our hearts, our minds. I'm thrilled that he's going into the race Hall of Fame, and I think that will be a, a special day as well. Oh, of course. Um, last year, Rick, I mean, <laughs> it, I look back now, and gosh, it really does seem like the year was a blur. I, I, I probably didn't appreciate things when they were happening as much because I was grieving for my buddy, and I, I, I don't know. I think I got to learn how to get better at it. It still affects me quite a bit. And you know, I, I had lost a best friend at the at the beginning of COVID back in 2020, uh, my mm-hmm. best friend in life. And I don't, I still haven't really figured out how to deal with that. And then Dave, that happened, and it's just, you know, as you get older, you got to learn how to grieve. And I think I probably need some some help with that because I think about him all the time. I still dream about him, um, and I wish he was here, but. Sure. Uh, he's not, and I have a great time with Neil and, and like Dave and I always said in, in the booth, uh, we're going to lead the league in fun and we will every year win or lose. And, and Neil and I invite everyone to, to be a part of the fun that we do it. And I, and I'm glad we have Chris Adams wall with us doing pre and post a really outstanding young broadcaster and just fits in so well. So as right. I told Dave's wife, Dave's going to be with us forever. He's not Absolutely. going anywhere, but of course, we miss him on a daily basis. Well, we sure do, and and we are thrilled uh, that you are back for a oh, geez, it, like you said, time flies. Twentieth season, uh, both on uh, on the play by play on radio, and we see you on TV as well. You've been there uh, much uh, as well last season. So have a great year, Andy. Uh, I can't wait to turn on that radio, and and it it just says race baseball when I hear your voice, and it is a thrill for so many of us. Uh, especially me, I'm much older, obviously, but I grew up uh, without baseball in Tampa Bay for so many years as a kid. And I can just imagine, uh, and my son, who was uh, at, at the age when the Rays were starting to win the World Series, he became a baseball fan, and now he's much older, obviously. But I'm telling you, what you do is a dream, and, and it, it is something that uh, that sinks into the fabric of all of us that love baseball, and we love listening to you, and it, it just it, it wakens us up, and we can't wait to hear you on the call again. Well, it's a wonder, it, it, it's amazing how fast it's suddenly upon us and it's going to be here. And, and as I tell Mark Topkin all the time, and I tell you the same thing, I mean, when I was growing up, I knew who all the columnists and all the writers were around the league. And, and, you know, you are older than me, but to me, the, the writers were always like the rock stars. So when I get a chance to, to talk to you, I'm, I'm really, really appreciative that you'll want to talk to me. So well, I'm here we, whenever. <laughs> we appreciate it, and it is a thrill for me. And uh, have a great season, a great call, as they say always. And thanks so much, Andy. We appreciate it. Sounds great. Come by the booth sometime. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Man, I, I'm telling you, I could talk baseball with Andy uh, 
pretty much for the rest of my life because I, I, I just love the game so much. And I, and I like, I'm serious. Like when I was growing up, Steve, they, we didn't have baseball in Florida, uh, major league team, obviously. And so the closest one was the Atlanta Braves, as you would know. Mm -hmm. And they had a pretty strong signal. And I think even at one point, I think one of the local channels carried Braves baseball. We used to listen, you know, this is back in the, the end of Hank Aaron days. And it was, I think it was Milo Hamilton, I believe was the, the broadcaster at that time for mm -hmm. the Braves. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, that was like, that was the soundtrack on my summer. You know, you, I'd go to bed, you'd turn the radio on, let's catch a few innings. Sometimes, you know, I'd have buddies over on the weekends. You try to listen to them on the West coast or somewhere. And so I can, I'm just imagining these, if there are kids, hopefully they do this. I don't know, you know, these days, who knows it, how they listen by their phones or, whatever they do, but hopefully there, there's a whole generation of people who have only heard Andy's voice covering Rays baseball. And I think that's cool. You know, like, I think that's like, they're going to grow up saying, Oh yeah, that, 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 that voice right there means it's baseball. Well, you know, and, I grew up uh, in, in, uh, you know, West central Northwest Ohio, Marty right. and Joe, Marty uh, and Joe, Ernie yeah. Harwell. Uh, you know I mean? Mm. You just go through it was, it was, you know, guys that were doing, Play-by-play play for, you know, my whole childhood, it was the same voice all the time, I mean, for those guys. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's the way it was. Ralph Kiner was in uh, uh, with the Mets, I think. And, um, you know, of course, go all the way out to, you know, Vin Scully and all that. And, it, yeah, it was. It was like that. Uh, Joe Buck and, you know, not Joe Buck, mm -hmm. but uh, his, his father. Jack. So, yeah, it, it's just – that's that's always said baseball to me, and you knew what team was which announcer based on that that those tones. Mm -hmm. um, but Andy's that sound for me now because it's been twenty years. I mean, it's gone by really quick. Mm -hmm. um, but I I think that would be a neat thing to have, like as you walk through life, is kind of like, hey man, I know that voice. That's the voice of the Rays, you know. Um, anyway, it's great having them. Great great talking baseball with them. So what do we got this weekend? Of course, we've got the All-Star Games, the NHL All-Star Game, uh, the uh, Pro Bowl, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And we have some condolences to uh, Chris Godwin uh, with the loss of his father. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. He wrote a very nice note. If you follow Instagram, uh, go on there and, uh, and check it out. I also um, put it on Twitter. You know, Chris is, Chris is one of those people that I will never forget as as long you know as I remember doing what I did, it could be twenty years from now. God, God willing, I'm still around, and and I will remember guys like Chris Godwin because they're, they're, he was so impressive from the time he walked in. He felt like even though he was like all of I don't know twenty three years old, but it felt like he had been in the NFL for ten years. Like that's kind of how he carries himself. So he wrote this terrific tribute to his dad, and who used to call him half man, half monster, the manster. Um, used to call Chris that, and he's just, you can tell by how he describes his father and how supportive he was, uh, why Chris is who he is. And I'm sure he has, you know, two great parents and great family and all that, but, um, you know, very sad to lose your father, uh, at such a young age. And so, you know, our, uh, certainly our, our condolences are with him and, and his family, but, he said, he goes, you know, it's uh, the more you love, the bigger the hurt. But, you know, that just means that you, you love somebody as much as you did. And he just it's just a beautifully written um, tribute to him. So check that out if you want to go 
um, on Twitter at NFL Stroud, uh, or if you follow him on Instagram, you can see um, the tribute there as well. So with that, I hope you guys have a a terrific weekend. Enjoy all the All-Star games. We'll be back to talk to you about them on Monday. For Steve Bursting, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 